Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're talking Jerry the King Lawler plus Bruce Pritchard set straight all the rumors and innuendo on himself. Stay tuned for something to wrestle after. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Oh, hello. Yes, let the buzz begin right here on AfterBuzz TV. This is Something to Wrestle After, the show for all you fans of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard out there to come and hang out with us. We talk about the big reveals, we get your fan reactions, and of course, with all the news this week, breaking news, there's a lot to discuss. Hello and thank you for joining us. My name is Christy Olson. I got a comedian slash the host of the AfterBuzz Star Trek Discovery show. You can call him. Flobo Boys. How's it going, everybody? So glad to be here today. Hello, and not just, uh, we got full <laughs> panel tonight. We like this. Film critic and uh, host of the yeah. SmackDown no, no, Raw, Raw after show. Raw, Raw after Most show. liked guy on Raw and NXT. <laughs> I feel like that may or may not be true. You guys can decide for yourself. <laughs> His name is Jim Alexander. And one more, he runs the YouTube channel for all your favorite wrestlers, including, including Bruce Pritchard. Say hello to Steve Kaufman. I'll say it here because I'm tired of saying it in my DMs. <laughs> I don't know anything, y'all. Oh, okay. <laughs> the past oh. the past eight days have been a lot of Steve. What do you know about this? What you know about this? Okay, yeah. so you as the executive producer of Bruce Pritchard's YouTube channel, people are reaching out to you to see the news about him going to WWE. What's true? What's mm-hmm. not? Also DMing the channel, which is a th- still a thing you can do sometimes. Apparently, oh, oh I know YouTube? there was a feature I thought they took away, but like apparently you can still DM a channel. Um, <laughs> Yo, Bruce, you up? <laughs> There's a bit of that. I. I learned about this when everyone else did. Okay. Well, for anybody out there who isn't sure what we're talking about, or for anyone who's maybe tuned into us live on YouTube on the AfterBuzz TV Sports and Wrestling channel, who's maybe just uh, looking to chat about the pay-per-view that I think may be going on right now, we are talking about something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. And the big news, this dropped last Saturday, I believe Mm -hmm. it was, right? People all of a sudden saying, Bruce is headed back to WWE, where he worked behind the scenes and on camera with uh, Vince McMahon for such a long time and of course everybody's wondering what is going to happen to the podcast the live shows all of this we had Eric Bischoff on uh, After 83 Weeks this week he dropped us some juicy tidbits and I have to tell you I was so sure that something to wrestle with is going to be over now that Bruce has admitted he's going to WWE, what was everybody's thoughts when they first heard this news? Flobo? I gotta be honest with you, there were so many other side rumors and innuendo about what was going on. Was he the right-hand man? Was it get back to Conrad for Undertaker and then Stark? Who knew? Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it would be the end of the show, to be honest with you, but we were all in the wait-and-see pattern, and, and luckily it seems that it's going to keep continuing from now on. So so, so the roller coaster of my emotions started on Saturday when all, when this report came out, and the report was very clear in saying that he Bruce was pretty much taking back his old role. That he would be Vince McMahon's right hand man. Mm -hmm. And he starts Monday. So in my mind, I was immediately like, there's no way if he's that person at that company in WrestleMania season of all times, 
that he's ever going to have time to do a weekly podcast, let alone up, upkeep his Patreon, mm-hmm. which he's able, which he's been able to do up until this point. So my my emotions were immediately like, well, then we're in a transit. If that's truly the case, then we're transitioning away from what we're doing to what we'll be doing. Right, and I think and not. then we heard Eric, and then we heard Eric Tuesday. We aired it on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and it felt even more like we're. That's gonna. He seems to be moving away. He seems to be moving away. Yes, because not having time and not being allowed are two very different things. Yes. And Bischoff seemed to think, as as I do, that there's no way Vince is gonna let his right hand man continue to talk about everything that's gone on behind the scenes there for the last umpteen years, and that really there was a lot of speculation that all that was happening here was that Vince was buying Bruce's silence. Jim. Mm. Mm. Well, first of all, let me uh, just DM you on the YouTube Please. channel right now. Uh, <laughs> figure out. Sorry. Yeah, do there's no way. It was nice knowing you guys, by the way. Nice little run. <laughs> right? this was uh, there's no way I feel he could do the show the way it was done. Maybe it goes on, but it's going to be literally vetted and filtered. There's no way Vince allows him to share all these backstage things and drop the F-bombs the way Bruce is doing. It just wouldn't be the same show. Agreed. Even if it was. Yeah. And he's not going six hours about Jerry the King Lawler ever again, probably. <laughs> I... I do think the one telling piece we found out of this whole close to 10 minute clip that, by the way, will drop tomorrow morning, youtube.com slash something to wrestle. The specifically what, 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 what? the part of him specifically talking about the Specifically that specific part that otherwise you had to wait till the very end of the podcast to mm-hmm. hear. Mm-hmm. He, um, Conrad said specifically, I'd like you to address the rumor and innuendo that you're, you're back to your old position. You're Vince McMahon's one, like, you're head of creative, you're the right hand man to Vince McMahon, you're all these things. And he's like, but that's first heard I, first I heard of that. Yeah. So it, it feels to me that he was very quickly asked, would you like to come back to creative? And he said yes. And then that place that just moves a mile a minute, he's there and he's working and they're figuring out, probably in this whole transition period, because once again, he's in Australia. He has live shows. Mm-hmm. They were at Mohegan Sun last Saturday or Friday? Mm-hmm. Friday? Like, he, he's got a bunch going on live show-wise between now and like between now and the first week in April when WrestleMania is that I think they're going to let him they're going to let him work through those dates while also doing TV as a more of a probationary period and then by WrestleMania we will know for sure what his position is there and then what that would mean for the podcast moving forward. Right, and it would certainly not be in their interest right now to admit that it's maybe going to end. They want you to stay tuned in. They don't want you to stop subscribing. They want you to keep thinking, oh, there's going to be a new episode next week. we got to look forward to it. we got to vote. We have to put our input in. And I I think they're straight lying to our faces. I think they know it's over after Mania. No, I don't think that. I think they'd have said that. Like, I think they would... Because honestly, speaking as someone who's kind of sort of doing that here at AfterBuzz TV, it gives you more value if you say, this is the end. Mm-hmm. Every time oh, we release an yeah, episode, it is more special. Every time, like, next week we're doing Austin 97 and 2000. That's one of the last six times you'll ever hear this show ever again. Mm-hmm. That's true, actually. That I think, point. if they really, really, really wanted to just make a buck on everyone, mm-hmm. it's smarter. And you make a, and you create your own value. You'd create a bigger value if they knew for a fact that this is what was happening. In my opinion... Which I have to be very clear because people assume people assume I'm either very close to all this or that, that I'm, you could be kayfabe in us just like everybody else. <laughs> or, that I'm, or that I'm just Conrad. But it's so shocking how many people comment on the YouTube page thinking that Conrad also runs the YouTube page. Uh, I mean, I yeah, safe assumption. The DMs yeah, not are true. still coming in. <laughs> oh, at the how many burners did you make just now, Jim? <laughs> Three. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of uh, Conrad, they, of course, have this big star cast thing going on. And when asked if Bruce would still be there, Bruce's response was, quote, that he is planning on being there. Again, I think that's <laughs> something that last minute... You're not going to see Bruce at Starcast, and that's really what I would like to see him there. But right when now. someone invites me someplace and I go, I plan on being there, I'm not going to show <laughs> yeah, up. That's, I'll see what I can do after work if I'm not tired. Maybe you know that's the equivalent to clicking maybe on Facebook. <laughs> right, <laughs> Christy, you have, you have no faith in Bruce showing up to anything anymore. <laughs> I, I just don't. I know yeah. how it works there, and yeah. you if when you're there, you're there. You're committed. Even you, if, yeah. Exactly. Even if he was allowed, you know, let's say. You know, hell freezes over, and Vince goes, "Yeah, I don't care about that podcast. You keep doing that, boy." Well, he's not gonna. He like you're so in the zone when you're in mm-hmm. there. The outside world doesn't exist. The past doesn't exist. The future beyond mania, even to, regardless what time of year it is, doesn't <laughs> exist. Like you, you know nothing else. You don't even know what's going on with the Undertaker or the boys who are not necessarily on the roster at the time. I mean, they're, they're just there's no way he could keep doing it even if they let him, which they are not going to. Yeah, for sure. I think that, that this show specifically has so much research involved with matches being mm-hmm. rewatched. I mean, how do you find the time to even sit yeah. there on a four-hour podcast to say, or a pay-per-view review? Um, two things. One, you're assuming Vince McGann knows what a podcast is. <laughs> He's not there yet. It's radio on the internet. <laughs> You'd think he'd understand that. <laughs> The uh, podcast on YouTube is a whole niche I found because there are plenty of people who have Android phones that don't know what a podcast is. So it's not that difficult to me that... I don't know. I don't think Vince truly understands the momentousness that is this podcast. I also... I think he makes a point of understanding anything that could affect his business. I Mm. think he just thought it would go away. He just Mm -hmm. didn't care. He just didn't think it was a thing. People weren't making money off of it at first. Very few people still are. Mm -hmm. You're right. Um, it wasn't a threat to him until all of a sudden you have headlines of someone like a Bruce Pritchard kind of burying The Undertaker. Fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. anything that comes, it just takes one person to tweet something and start a wildfire. Yes. So it's going to get around to, WWE monitors everything, especially when it comes to YouTube. They, <laughs> they are like the, 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 the police of YouTube, any of their content. So anything that's being mentioned, they have people, I'm sure, working on this day and night. So I think they're very aware of what happens online. Or at least if something was big enough, it would get to Vince and the higher-ups in a split second. What if they're listening to this show? I hope so. So we need more more support. Yeah, bad guy. I mean, (laughs) apparently there's emails, letters being written, all that good stuff about me. We'll put ourselves over it. I will will take that DM. (laughs) Honestly, I think whoever, if you're... If you're at WWE and your sole job is to monitor situations, mm-hmm. just DM me on Twitter. <laughs> so let me ask a question. And I will literally send you the private links. Help you out a lot. So let me ask a question. Is, is getting a cease and desist from the World Wrestling Entertainment, is that like a, like a benchmark goal? Or is this kind of like a... Oh, it is for some of us. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, would be better than other letters I've gotten from them. Let's put it that way. Right. right. I mean... I've in any creative endeavor, I've always considered in any creative endeavor that plays fast and loose with IPs or copyright, I've always figured a cease and desist is a badge of honor because it means it made enough it made enough noise that the the content creators had to notice it and decide what to do. Exactly. Mm. Like even even in the case of play, like places that are overly litigious like Disney, mm-hmm. someone had to care enough to write you a cease and desist. When they didn't Aww. have to, like, no, that's what I'm like, hoping for one. Yeah, exactly. Why not? But that's no, no, that's how I feel about it. I don't yeah. think legally they have 
legally they don't have the right to cease and desist Bruce Pritchard talking about stuff. Joseph Boza in the chat. Hey, Joe Bo points out that Shane Helms, who's a producer, does Highway to Helms, and Booker T does reality conversations with Booker T. That's a great point, Joseph Boza. Hmm. Jerry, Jerry Bo- the King Lawler also has a podcast. Like Chris Jericho, who's come in and out of WWE, had a, has always had a podcast. Yeah, and how are it's they doing impossible. these days? They're all in demoted roles. I mean, <laughs> like Jerry's now on the pre-show. Uh, you know, Just Shane Helms is backstage training people. Yeah, so, I mean, but. Let's not hate on let's not hate on those contracts. I guarantee you Jerry Lawler makes a pretty oh, penny um, a pretty penny for the like no 20, doubt about the it. twenty five to maybe thirty five dates a year he's required. But like if we're talking about Bruce Pritchard being a main creative guy, he's a lot more important than them oh, yes. right now. Right. So him having a podcast would mean a lot more than secondary, you know, yeah. behind the scenes guys. Well we do we do love getting all of your thoughts live on YouTube. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button, maybe give us a little thumbs up. And for everybody out there who loves Afterbuzz, Jim has a little message for you. Uh-huh. That's right. Before we move into the Jerry Lawler talk and more season the sis talk, <laughs> we just wanted to thank you guys for making us the ESPN of TV talk. But for us to grow, we do need your help and interaction. So please subscribe to us on the YouTube channel when you're checking us out and comment. We love reading these comments and hearing what you guys have to say and how you're taking in the show. And also, if you're listening on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, Booker T55. And comment on there, too. So just interact with us. Subscribe, comment. doesn't cost you anything, and it helps us out a lot. Uh, being part of AfterBuzz has given us opportunity to, to talk about Bruce Pritchard's show and all these other wrestling shows. So um, continue support, and we thank you for it. Absolutely. That was great. Thank you. Thank you for that. And as you said, we are now going to jump... Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I don't want to cut everybody off. Does anyone else have any uh, <laughs> anything else they would like to say about rumors and innuendo, Pritchard and his future at WWE, or... I think we've... Yeah, we've covered it. There's something. (laughs) All right. right, Well, in that case, let's talk about one. Jerry the King Lawler. I was surprised they would do a full episode on Jerry Lawler. Even more surprised that it went almost four hours. (laughs) And in all honesty, out of all the things that I would want to hear about from Bruce Pritchard, I'm not entirely sure that this would be on the list at all. Were you guys, did you find this to be a lackluster topic? It was definitely something that I would have enjoyed. Um, the the runtime kind of scared me a bit. I was like, what exactly are you going to talk about for this amount of time? But, you know, I, 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 I've been to his restaurant in Memphis. You know, I remember the oh. king being the, the broadcast guy and, and even hearing stories of him with, with Kaufman. So I was willing to see where that was going to go, but not for <laughs> I gotta ask how the restaurant is. It's okay. <laughs> it's a sports bar. Get the get the gimmicks. It's awesome. Oh. <laughs> I do think they've done a great job of covering the great topics that pretty much Bruce Pritchard and Jerry Lawler coincided for. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of great topics about Jerry Lawler that Bruce Pritchard couldn't really speak to. Like the the thing we all report as a heart attack, but is now being reported as a cardiac event. When he was uh-huh. in the ring, with I Dolph was Z- wondering about when, that. When he was in the ring with Dolph Ziggler, that was that was after Bruce's time. Um, that that two or three match run where he was fighting the world champion Miz, who was an incredibly beatable world champion, which coming from someone like Jerry Lawler, like working with someone like Jerry Lawler, like was such a mark of excellence because mm-hmm. they're both that kind of guy. Like once again, I was I was looking through because I like to make the graphic beforehand. Once I hear the topic, before I hear the episode, mm-hmm. yeah. and I made that graphic of like, oh, well, here's Lawler, <laughs> here's Miz. Right. We're t- totally gonna no, okay, we're gonna scrap that. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> but that was I remember that was a huge deal, and it was also yeah. a thing I heard around that time and a little before that time was Lawler always saw himself as a wrestler, always wanted to be a wrestler, 
and they always just paid him a lot of money to be a commentator. Yeah. So like that Michael Cole match at WrestleMania was another example of them, I don't want to say throwing him a bone, but them actually using him how he knows he can be used. It's very telling that up until very recently, he's still like dressed to do commentary. Yes. He's still yeah. dressed in full size to do commentary, so... Props. Well, as Bruce talked about on this episode, he was actually kind of detrimental in bringing Lawler in as a color commentator, even though they were telling him, yeah, you're coming to be a wrestler. Really? They just wanted him to be a color commentator, as you said. But the interesting thing that came out of this, and as we're talking about Bruce going back to work with Vince, he called it a, quote, a no-win to work with Vince on commentary, that that was the hot seat, and that it kind of sounds like nobody wanted it. That was very telling. They didn't spend a lot of time on this, but that was that was pretty juicy. I've heard a bit about this before. Um, Mick Foley very famously left SmackDown years upon years ago because he had a very, by his own admission, had a very, very good relationship with Vince McMahon and felt that if he had stayed in that role, he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing him, but he said pretty close to that that he... Like I, Vince, you're my like Vince. You're I consider you a very close personal friend. But if I stay hearing you scream at me in my ear, mm-hmm. I, I I'm not gonna. We're not gonna have nice words. Yeah, that's been the talk for years about yeah. Vince and a headset. That's been like a legitimate thing for multiple commentators and wrestlers. I don't know. I'm almost willing. I mean, wanting to hear Vince on a headset. Like someone <laughs> recorded one day and just like do an excerpt about it. Next access of it. Just get a commentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vince on a headset backstage. But like, how brutal could he be? I mean, but there's only also a few guys that could handle it long term. You look at Michael Cole, Jerry, and probably Jim Ross. They're the longest mainstays on a commentary. It takes us special person and personality to be able to handle that probably too. Right, and keep in mind too that there was a position of just having Vince in your ear when he's back in Gorilla or having to sit next to him mm-hmm. as he's doing commentary because when you're sitting next to him he's also doing commentary. He's not telling you what to say as he would when he's backstage. So my guess is you're not saying what he wants you to say because he can't tell you what to say and that is probably what makes it the hot seat is that there's kind of a, that's what makes it the no win is like how can you do what Vince tells you to even though he's sitting right next to you and he can't tell you what to do. Well and it's I, that's got to be a very very strange. That's got to be a very strange thing because I think if Vince really had it his way, mm-hmm. he'd clone himself and and he'd be color. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he'd clone himself twice and be color and color and play by play and like change the octave if he's already mastered cloning. And it would be great. He changed the and like it would or it would at the very least be exactly how he wants it. Right. Which for better or worse, like I've Vince McMahon from all I've heard of him through this podcast and other podcasts. He will admit failure when it's all on him of just like, yeah, it didn't work, pal. Mm-hmm. Like at the very like so similarly, like if he truly got to clone himself in a way where like the com- <laughs> or like did a pre or like honestly if he did if it was a pre taped show like SmackDown was for a very long time, mm-hmm. that if he was able to just do the commentary pre taped later and maybe with a voice modifier and come up with the, this zany character, mm. at the very least, if it didn't work, he would get to say, Didn't work. That's my mm-hmm. fault. Right. Like that that's the part about Vince people don't talk about that it's the key if he'd be the first to say it's failing he'd be the first to say it's his fault he'd be the first to say best for business right yeah best that for business means i need to stop doing this yeah <laughs> totally. cloning's expensive damn it. <laughs> well lawler had a had a little business going down there in memphis where he was running the territory along with um jerry jarrett and there was this interesting sort of idea that they would sell the territory <laughs> and then let it get run into the ground or wait until it would be run into the ground by the new owners and then sort of take it back and then build it back up and then sell it again. What do we know about this? Uh, well, you know, it's always funny about, about wrestling territories in, in the smaller markets how 
they'll be hot shot for a couple of years and it kind of die off. So the idea was, I mean, I think Lawler said he was even surprised any people would want to buy it at all, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then being able to, yeah, go ahead and run it. And if it fails, it's, I know a guy, you know, to me, it's like a, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it doesn't help that wrestling as an industry is derived from literal carnival days. Where the mm. ticket booth would be ten, like three to five feet taller than the regular person, specifically so the ticket taker can see into your wallet when you pay, mm-hmm. and <laughs> then signal another person to mark you with chalk. That's where the term "mark" actually comes from. So the idea that the idea that on as just pure business people, they wouldn't also have money marks, like right. they wouldn't also be like, "Man, we really need to sell the territory to a mark." Mm. That see that feels completely at home with them and. Honestly, in the grand scheme of how business is done in America, not that ridiculous. No, it's it's worked for WCW <laughs> called Ted Turner, right? I mean, and Eric Bischoff really milked that for a while. So it's worked before. It just depends who you catch. Who's the catch? You know what I mean? What kind of fish you catch? You catch a goldfish or you catch a piranha? You know, in that sense. Like, yeah. if you get the big fish, then with the funds and everything, this can turn into, like, a gold mine that... At times, you have full control because they don't know what they're running. Mm-hmm. Well, he did have a big fish uh, putting out some promos there in Memphis for a while. Mm-hmm. This week, they talked about Vince doing these promos in Memphis, and that. So this was something I, I never knew about. I've never seen. I didn't know. Had you guys ever seen this or knew that this had happened? No, I know it had happened. I never seen the tapes because sure. obviously that would be a huge deal. Yeah. In this day and age, and also this is something I should have looked up before we got on the air. But I wonder if we can still see them anywhere. I <laughs> will look for them, people. And if I can find them, I will tweet them out to you. Um, this but huge deal to have Vince doing these promos. The thing about WWE, even though they get like a lot of flack for being this giant monolithic, uh, you know, vulture of of this ripping the American art of wrestling, <laughs> we do see they make small business deals as well. I mean, with Evolve, and even later on in this episode with the ECW relationship. I yeah. mean, it, to to foster the growth of the art form, sometimes it is a bit of exchange there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they're a little double handed. Historically, they're very double handed because they. Vince McMahon, the Vince McMahon we're talking about, that also just did stuff down in the USWA, mm-hmm. also single-handedly killed all the territories. That, And I think it's funny because someone like Jerry Lawler, they talked also about how he was AWA champion and that was the only world title he ever held. Mm-hmm. That was because Jerry Lawler is one of the last people from a generation that you could make fifty dollars to $100,000 a year just working the Memphis territory. Mm-hmm. Like and not, and like yes, be a top guy in the Memphis territory, but you could be not a top guy in Kentucky and not necessarily have to leave Kentucky every weekend mm-hmm. and do okay. Like that's what the territory under the NWA was. Now you could argue it was going to die anyway, and Vince just Vince just saw the opportunity and took it. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to see, it, like it's very double handed that he did that, but then he also realized I still need to try and upkeep the thing I almost killed. Right. It's really, it's really like there's a really fascinating story of Vince McMahon throughout all throughout his whole career of because he like has had his throat on the wrestling or his throat his foot <laughs> on the throat of the wrestling business multiple times and has decided to let it up knowing that that would be better for his business. Mm-hmm. But we also have to understand it's because it'll be better for his business. Plus, he had to work on some heel promos, right? Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's mention it that. It sounded like he had fun with it. And, and it worked later on. It came to like benefit, right? Well, in the yeah. long run. So maybe that was the start of something. Yeah. yeah. I also think he, I don't know, it, something like USWA, staying USWA, he's completely okay with. Mm-hmm. It's whenever it gets bigger. 
Mm-hmm. It's whenever it gets bigger that they're that he's like, nope, can't have that. Well, speaking of things we cannot have, we do have to, I think, touch on these allegations that Jerry Lawler mm. dealt with that have followed him around. I, I honestly, hearing this and hearing about where it all came from, I thought, okay, he definitely has that reputation amongst people for liking the young girls. Did it all just come from this, or is that a legit reputation that happened after this? And I thought, well, I don't know, and I, you know was in a position where I regularly was with people who were around at that time and I, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. Really. Um, you need to be there to see it and, and probably, I don't know, even the closest people to Jerry probably wouldn't know. It's one of these things where it's speculation, but, you know, are there proof or facts? Who knows? Right. Um, I do think, and I don't know, like I'm, I would, in my heart of hearts, hope that Jerry Lawler is the person he's portrayed on TV and not a complete monster that people make him out to be. Yes. However, in that report, no one's refuting the fact that he hung out with a 16-year-old. Yep. For like bought a, her presents. Took her to, to the, the took her to the mall, brought her presents, did all that, and like, I, maybe it's the R. Kelly stuff that's swirling in my mind that I'm, in my mind, like, at its very worst, and I'm not making an accusation, I know next to nothing other than what's been said in the podcast, but like, if... His reputation precedes him, and you hear this story. There could be a dot to be connected that, like, oh, he grooms sixteen-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I don't and, know that. I don't want to say I know that. And the only thing that could fuel it, or maybe in a sense speculate, is his on-camera character, puppies, and all that stuff over the yeah. years, where it makes you kind of think, like, well, he was billed even as a character on screen to be like, you know, a so, dog, like a horn dog, yeah, and like it, immature, and like historically, he dates very young women, yeah. Dates and his wives, too. Like, Cat was much younger than him. Dates and marries very young women. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... These are all facts. Yeah, that's a fact. Those are facts. Yes, correct. I like I like, <laughs> like to put it that way. Mm-hmm. And in the initial, these charges that they were talking about in the, epi- in the episode specifically, um, he only pled to a misdemeanor of intimidating a witness, and the girl apparently, reportedly, eventually said that she was lying. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to talk about it. Let's, let's talk about an age-appropriate woman that was in Jerry uh, yes. Lawler's life. Yes. <laughs> one uh, one Stacy Carter. This was oh, this was hell. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Did we know anything? I had never heard about any of this beforehand. Okay. Did you hear this story? Did you know? You remember her? Like Bits and pieces. I, re- I remember her being released. I remember him going with her. I remember him being off TV for about a year, if mm-hmm. I was going mm-hmm. by, by, by memory collected. But I did not know the events of what caused that to happen. And I will say this. I was listening to the podcast. I was uh, doing some other things. But when that story came on, I stopped. <laughs> Old school radio me was like, go on, Bruce. It was just so juicy. Wasn't there the Playboy thing that kind of spurred this whole thing I'm, with China potentially? I believe that. Like that story, because that was that time where they were constantly featuring uh, WWE divas in Playboy, and I could see the way Stacy was featured on TV. Her thinking that she might, you know, be due for that, or that she is owed that, or in some point, I could see that being like a, a contention point. Of While contention. I'm connecting dots. <laughs> yeah, because they referred to some rumor in here that they never talked about. But again, we can connect. While dots. I'm connecting dots about Playboy, the very first WWE diva superstar woman to appear in Playboy was Sable. Right? Correct. Yes. yes. Sable, in the time that she appeared in Playboy, to the time we're talking about the cat, sued WWE for a lot of money, partially including this Playboy contract and them holding it over her head, and then her unsafe work environment and all this stuff. There's a dot to be collected that the the next women who were who did pose in Playboy that were also WWE women 
were more or less handpicked people that they felt deserved it. Mm-hmm. So for her, it was like it was like a big feature thing. It's almost like getting the cover of some magazine. Exactly. It was like a big deal then. Because even because yeah. even someone even someone like China or or Ashley Mazzaro or Maria Kanellis or like these are all people who worked while Tori working, Wilson multiple Tori, times. Like yeah. while while working in the WWE, posed for Playboy. That is a very hand-picked thing that they like to curate and control mm-hmm. because they probably, for whatever reason, and they're allowed to have that reason, don't think Stacy would fit the mold of what they want, knowing that in the past that if you let the most popular person that Playboy is interested in pose in Playboy, it will ultimately, it could ultimately blow back on you like it did with Sable. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna connect those dots. I've never had that connection before, but hard to refute that for sure. But every time they posed, wasn't there like a WrestleMania spot also yes. on the line? It was always around WrestleMania that the uh, magazine would come out, and then there was some sort of WrestleMania moment or, or, or angle or even a spot on the show. Yeah. So your point is, Steve, that WWE wants to be able to control all of that and facilitate and, all of that and pick exactly who gets the spot. Right. And and, and as Bruce admitted in this episode, Jerry and Stacy went and talked. to to Playboy on their own, but there was also this weird mention of a picture of Stacy and China, where it looks like they were going to kiss on Jerry Lawler's website. And then there were there were talk. Um, Connor kept talking about the rumors, the rumors, but they didn't say were they or because this is what I thought mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from not knowing were they implying that. Stacy and China had some sort of relationship, and that they needed to get rid of Stacy to to kind of put that rumor to bed. And they were implying that super heavily on TV at the time. Yeah, mm. China okay. would literally There's wear a the shirt. Link. China would China would literally wear a black shirt with white writings that said "master," and then Cat would wear a shirt that said "slave." Yeah. Like it was oh. heavy. It was heavy. Right. So if they're facilitating it, then why would that be an issue? Even if they, even if they were, let's say they were in a relationship backstage. Who would the care? key, the key, what you're saying is that it was on Lawler's website, not WWE's. So they don't want anyone. It sounds to me like a, they didn't want anyone else to capitalize on it. B, they every time they keep hearing about her, they keep hearing about either she's nixing stuff from creative, or she's she's doing business for herself on a, on a platform that isn't theirs, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily wrong. But then, I don't know. Well, they, they ain't gonna let it happen. But right. yeah, but they, they judge what they judge and. I don't know. Like, if you looked at the women's roster at that time, I don't think she was a top three contender. No. Like, I don't. Like, I think if they were going to choose who gets Playboy and a WrestleMania moment mm-hmm. and a woman's title run, it would be her. Like, if they had their druthers about them, mm-hmm. like, and they kind of do. Like, they had a good enough relationship with Playboy at that time that they can only show Playboy the three options they want. Mm-hmm. So why did Lawler not go to WCW then after he left? And I don't he think supposedly he, had this contract. I don't think he could. Yeah, I don't think he could. And assuming if the contract was legitimate, it's pretty much towards the end of WCW's run, wasn't it? Wasn't it? It was like 2000, right? Yeah, yeah that was, around, it was pretty yeah. much the end towards the run. So I mean, it would have been financially advantageous if he could have ever possibly gotten a 10 year deal through Turner because mm-hmm. he would have been able to keep it. Right, because the oh, WWE yeah. didn't buy any of the anyone's contract. WWE only bought the tape library and like some rings and stuff. Right. So anyone who had a like, so if Lawler was able to get like a ten year, three million dollar year, that sounds fair in numbers. I completely fabricated. He would have made three million dollars over ten years oh. from from Turner Broadcasting, and then either WWE would have to have bought that out 
or he would probably have sat through it for five years or whatever. Yeah. Before we move on, did you guys notice how, like, I was fascinated with the relationship between Stacy and Jerry. It's a very bizarre marriage, in a sense, where he's talking about, like, she's doing angles where she gets naked if she wins, and then, you know, the China stuff, like, and then you see him going to bat for her, and then we find out that she leaves him. He's so devoted, but meanwhile, she's with somebody else. But then he's also, like, flaunting her in a weird way, or okay with that. Like, her, like, even being part of these angles, you know, where where she's, like, saying that, you know, like, I don't know, as a married couple, wouldn't that kind of... I mean, that was sort of par for the course back in the day with DDP and Kim. Yeah, and, that's true, uh, too. Um, wait, there was another one that was just in my brain with Macho Man and Elizabeth. Right. I mean, Mark is that Mero. sort of... Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess if you know that your wife is in the biz, you just accept well, it. Let or? all the angles go and all these things, like... Also, yeah. But also, he found her to a certain extent, because she worked in Memphis before she came up through before she came up to the WWE, mm-hmm. he found her and found what worked for her, which was the sex appeal, the willingness to get naked. Because I can speak for their target audience at that time, which was a 14-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. To see a woman in the ring that you know is willing to get naked, it's not right. It was working for 14-year-old Steve Kaufman. It's not right, but a, but a 14-year-old boy is into the idea of that. Right. Well, that was the big thing about the Attitude Era. That was, like, legitimately, that was their, like, part of the shtick, you know, in a lot of ways, too. Which is now looking back, it's like, wow, things have changed so much yeah. in culture and in WWE. But back then... And just Jerry even talking. We went to Hugh, like, almost fighting for this. It's like, wow, you went to Hugh to fight for your wife to get naked in a magazine. Yeah, it's think like, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that Armageddon you got a flash, too? Yep. Yeah, it was Armageddon yeah. Armageddon that, that year. And I remember as a kid being also a weirdly 14-year-old. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the British pay-per-views was always like, oh, whoa, hello. Like, it, right. it'll be a surprise every pay-per-view. So it was a different time, for sure. But to your point, Jim, I mean, it is kind of weird how they were together, almost. It almost mm-hmm. felt like it was a, a trophy wife type deal. Yeah. And he was all about it, but it kind of blew up in his face. And, yeah. Well, so as someone who is excited to hear the, the behind-the-scenes on this story, were yeah. you satisfied with the details you got? I'm satisfied you got back into the WWE, for sure, because, I mean, to, to be able to say, okay, Okay, my wife cannot pr- provide. I'm going to go with her in solidarity. Now we're both at home, not mm-hmm. working. Then have your wife not be your wife anymore. <laughs> you know, it's a perfect like fairy tale ending to get your job back. Although no one's going to confirm this, but it sounds like they paid out his contract for that time. Okay, because if if they had if he had left in a way where they were going to release him from his contract, he would have signed in w- He would have signed with would've WCW, WCW, and we wouldn't yeah. that ten year period from 2000 to 2010. We would not have seen him on television, right? Even with the XWF stuff, or I came later, too late. Well, no, he would have come. He he would have been on the XWF. He probably would have done some shots with Ring of Honor and like Chikara or yeah, like no. whoever whoever would pay enough to have Jerry the King Lawler as a weekend warrior. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. Like he but he would make however much a ten year deal with WCW would have paid him. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about how married couples in WWE mm-hmm. cause trouble for creative. But before we do that, I want to give you guys a chance to uh, reiterate anything else about this episode. Anything else that stood out to you or that you have a strong opinion about? I think there's three takeaways from this episode. How do you remember Jerry Lawler? Like what? A, and there's different ways people remember him. There's there's different even eras of fans. Like is he most memorable for being the king of Memphis? 
Is he most memorable for his feud with Andy Kaufman? Or is he most memorable for being that character, that commentator on TV over the years? Mm -hmm. You know, like there's three kind of phases of his career that which one do you kind of think is like the most memorable that made him Jerry Lawler? To me, it's the commentator guy. Like that will stand out through the test of time, I think. That's what I was kind of remember him over the years. The longevity, the the angles, the the lines, all these things as the commentator. That's what sticks out to me about Jerry. I think on national television, that's the majority of what he did. Yeah. Was he was a commentator, on screen personality, in a way that you, like you don't get to see commentators and on screen personalities in the WWE currently. Mm-hmm. Like he's very much over as his own character, and then just sits at the table and talks about everyone else. Right. Sure. They don't they don't like that anymore. Um, also, is no one going to talk about the gong? The gong. Oh, we have. We okay because if we didn't catch this, then I'm guessing everybody out there didn't catch it either. But we think it may be highly important. So, at first, explain to the people right. what they missed. So, <laughs> well, if you're watching, the, if you're watching, if you're watching this post, if you're watching this not live, I will post the comment. It'll be a time coded comment specifically. Where you, it's roughly around the 56 minute mark. And it's from the podcast. It's from this, this podcast. Episode of the Jerry this episode, episode, there is roughly five to 10 seconds of an Undertaker gong. Right. Middle of the show, or very random. Middle or, of the show, yeah. it's not an ad break. Like, it very much interrupts stuff. It just happens, and then it's there. Neither and then it's gone. On it. No one's mentioning it. What do y'all think it is? I thought it was a mistake, to be honest with you. I was like, huh, that's pretty weird. And I kept on listening. I, I had no idea. If it were a mistake, it wouldn't have been in both the Patreon and the iTunes. They would have cut. removed it. Yeah, yeah. Good it call. was not a mistake. I think Conrad is smart. He knows they have a lot of ears and eyes on them in their show right now, and he wants people to talk about what the next thing is. And it wants people to talk about Bruce's podcast ending. They want people to talk about, hey, is he starting an Undertaker podcast? Which all we have is we know from you said that he trademarked what is it, Dead Man? Dead Walking? Man Talking. Conrad trademarked that. So yes. we're all assuming that he's going to have a podcast with The Undertaker. I don't think The Undertaker would ever do it. And so mm-hmm. thus this gong thing yes. is just Conrad capitalizing on the rumor and innuendo. All we know for sure is that The Undertaker will be appearing at StarCast. And this could just be very inventive marketing to promote just that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not ruling that out. It's, that's all it is. It could be it? one simple 20-minute Q&A that they sell a thousand million tickets for and that's the end of it. I guarantee... I, would play, I would put my life on the fact that Undertaker is not going to sit down every week and spill his guts no way. in a podcast that he's not going to yeah. unless it's the, make unless it's on the WWE network right unless it's on the WWE even network so, and then even so well, that just like completely transforms his persona to a different stage exactly. for for good that would mm. be the absolute end of the Undertaker dead man gimmick as we know him they would have to almost do a new present us with a new version of Undertaker yeah. that we should get adjusted to and know. Like, mm. you know, maybe probably comment, like, almost kayfabe on the whole dead man gimmick, you know, mm. and kind of, like, in a sense, unleash the truth on it. And here's Mark Calloway slash, you know, whatever uh, they want to call him mm. kind of going off also, on this. Also, from a content standpoint, none of us know whether Undertaker is a man of few words or just plays one on TV. Mm-hmm. So there's a high probability that he, in real life, is just a man of very few words. Mm-hmm. At which point, that podcast would not be very good. <laughs> just grunting for hours. Like you would need, you would almost need Conrad to be a facilitator of a conversation with 
Mark the Dead Man right. and someone else who was with him that's a little more animated. Mm-hmm. Well, we will keep you posted on that. Uh, if we we'll, if we will have to replace our coverage of Bruce's <laughs> show with Undertaker's, we'll let you know. We have just, Eleven minutes with Undertaker every yeah, week. <laughs> we have just a few minutes left, so I want to do something we are going to call something to wrestle with today. We're going to take one of the issues that popped up in their podcast about back in the day and talk about how it sort of translates to 2019. So I wanted to talk about Married couples causing problems for mm. creative. Okay, and this, let's, we, we heard what happened back in the day with Jerry and his wife. Let's talk about now. We've had a brand split over the last several years, and we know that WWE has told talent, because we've seen it on Total Diva, so it must be true, <laughs> course, that they will not be split up if they are married couples. This is, um, well, not why, but we should explain that right at this time, um, Dean Ambrose and Renee Young were separated in the brand split. They got married, like, that day or something. <laughs> Um, of course, they were probably going to get married anyway, but you can't tell me that's not why they got married. And then all of a sudden, she was going to be on both shows. Okay. Um, this is important because Brandy left with Cody. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's another issue when you have married couples. And then there's things like, is this forcing people to get married so they can be together? Like, I'm thinking of... Um, Alistair, okay, yeah. Alistair Black and Zelina yes, Vega. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I don't say anything that I don't that I wouldn't want to reveal. Um, Zelina's up on the main roster. Alistair is not. We're all expecting and waiting for that to happen. Same they, thing with Alexa and Buddy Murphy. So. Yes. Uh-huh. A lot of other different things going on there. But <laughs> okay. I mean, Maybe I'm not even we, aware of that. We hear Alistair Black and Zelina Vega have gotten married. In, we didn't... We, yeah, you know what? Let's just use another <laughs> no, example. We can, <laughs> you guys talk about that example. Yes, we okay. can talk about that as yeah. it exists in our universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is, I don't know, sometimes people fall in love, and sometimes marriage is marriage is a legal union between two people, and a wedding is a giant party you throw in celebration of a legal union. I do those are, weddings. They're pretty awesome. I do, but like <laughs> weddings are awesome, but like if I needed my girlfriend to be on... If I needed to be on my girlfriend's health care tomorrow, we can go to the courthouse and be married and then just not throw a giant party. Right. So similarly, if my work life would be better if I were on her insurance, which she doesn't have insurance yet, but I'm just saying as a hypothetical. Hypothetically <laughs> <laughs> insurance. It's so but sad. Like, yeah. But, like, it's a thing. It's, it's I don't know. I well, think we, and the people you're talking about are all under 30, if I have to, if mm-hmm. I had to hazard a guess, where a younger person in today's age values relationships and marriage as not as like non traditionally, the the idea of our work life and career lives would be better if we are married as per a piece of paper, mm-hmm. and what that means to us versus what that means to the rest of the world are can be two completely different things. It's okay. not even marriage; it's relationships in general. Right, Where do they but date? The, but the point is, <laughs> who do they date outside of the well, yeah. industry? That's, that's like you can't; they don't have time to meet people. They're always on the road. You only see them. You see a morning family, right. are, And then that causes huge issues for writing and creative. Because yes. think about it. So Naomi has to be Trina. Which one is her? Naomi has to be yeah. on SmackDown with Jimmy Uso. Right. Um, there's a, there's like there's more people I feel like married to somebody in the business than not. Right. <laughs> there are yeah. Yeah. Relationships are married, for that. sure. Uh, but think about the restrictions that that puts on the, the writing and the creative team. Yeah, it's a lot of moving parts, but ultimately you need morale of your squad, right? So mm. if you're willing to keep them together to make sure they stay on the road for years and years, then I mean, I remember what Booker T mentioned in his podcast that he was going to walk out of the WWE, uh, and Vince's uh, suggestion was to hire Charmel. 
And that really mm. was the impetus for King mm. Booker because he got to travel with his wife because he had so many weeks uh, away from home. So if you have someone out there doing 300 shows a year and they have a significant other slash wife, put them together. That way you can say you're basically a family on the road. I think we Miz saw these. Like vagabonds. That's the side of it. I yeah. like that. Miz had, Miz had a bit of a resurgence in his career when Maurice came back with him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Funnily enough, to beat Zack Ryder, who Zack Ryder, I don't think he's married to Chelsea Green, but Chelsea Green is down in NXT. And Zack Ryder travels with the main roster? Yes. I think we figured something out. I think I figured something out. I think Bruce Prichard got hired to keep the relationships together, to write creative, to keep these relationships intact, to have someone write material that we can maintain these couples together. I think Bruce Prichard's... He just has... That's his role. He just has an office in Stanford with a bunch of pictures and red lines. (laughs) Cassius Ono is with this one, and then that's you know, another one. They're not married again, but like those no. are relationships. Again, as soon as you hear the rumblings of like Cassius coming up, or um, who did you just say before that? Uh, Buddy Murphy? Yeah, or anybody well, coming yeah. up, then all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, Ch- oh Zach Al- and Chelsea. Yeah, yeah if Chelsea, there's ever rumblings that they're looking at Chelsea for main roster, all of a sudden they're going to be married and she's going to be on whatever the hell brand Zach is on. Who even knows? Because mm-hmm. is he on TV? No. He's on no. Raw, I think. Is he on a brand? I think he's Zach's on the Raw because they use Kurt Hawkins when they use him. Yeah. Because at least Kurt Hawkins has the lo- like right. losing all the time gimmick, um, who, and he should challenge the Undertaker at WrestleMania. <laughs> While we're talking about main roster stuff, losing all the time. I, gimmick. I think Zack Ryder's this age is Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> I think he's owning it. Actually. Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> all right, our, our our chat our chat rule says we have. Um, we have relegated to couples therapy here. So. <laughs> I love you. But we made some great points yeah. about this. Yeah, I like sure. you, you made a good point, Flobo. Thanks. I like that. Appreciate it. All right. And you know what? Let them marry whoever the heck they want to marry. That is true. Bruce is going to write a story going. for you, okay? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. This has been so much fun, you guys. There was so much to talk about. And I think we covered we covered it all. But if there's more, they want to keep the conversation going with you. Jim Alexander, where can our uh, fans do that They can reach at? me at the Jim Alexander. And all social media. All right. And I'm Steve Coffin. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Coffin. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm involved in a lot of YouTube pages. If I tweet the link, chances are I'm involved. So support them. Support me. Fun stuff. DM this man. DM me on actual Twitter. (laughs) Stop DMing my channels and calling me Conrad. I'm... None of that should be allowed to happen. I am also not Conrad on Flobo Boys. At Flobo Boys on Twitter. At Flobito on Instagram. And at Flobito.com. And make sure you guys are tuning in to the After 83 Weeks, or to the 83 Weeks YouTube channel, Eric Bischoff's official channel, and watch After 83 Weeks every Wednesday. We are on at 5 Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, talking with Eric and getting uh, his thoughts on all of these kinds of things as well, so make sure you tune in. And you can always hit me up at Christy Reports. On that note, they will be covering The Undertaker, what is it, 97 to 2000 Austin, next no, week. No, Austin. Austin, I'm yeah. so sorry. We're so much talk about Undertaker. <laughs> yes, if I'm we're still that. here. <laughs> if we were still here, we will be talking about Steve Austin, and we will hopefully see you then. Have a good week. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.